Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today we're talking about two fantastic topics. We're talking about building community and what that means and what that can do for you. And then we're talking about one of my favorite topics, building long form video content, video content that converts. And so my guest today, just really excited to have a chance to sit down and, and chat with him and, and pick his brain. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce Resources. That's right. Here at OMG Commerce, we want to help make sure you're educated and in the know to capitalize on the latest tips, tricks, and strategies to help you grow your e-commerce business. So if you go to omgcommerce.com and under resources, click on guides, we have some cutting edge free information for you on things like how to dominate with Amazon DSP ads or how to use Amazon sponsor brand video ads and how to craft the perfect ad. We have several guides on how to capitalize on YouTube ads from creating the perfect ad to knowing when you're ready to scale. Plus there's the newly updated Google shopping guide plus more. Check it all out at omgcommerce.com and click on guides under resources. And now back to the show. I've got Tom Worcester on the, the show here today. He's the founder of Lunchbox, lunchboxpacks.com. Check it out. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. And then he's also a partner in Create with Carousel, a creative agency, creating some amazing anchor videos for e-commerce brands. And so we're going to dive into video content, which, like I said, is one of my favorite topics. So with that intro, Tom, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? And, and thanks for coming on. Absolutely. You know, I don't have as uh, as buzzy of a line as OMG CEO, but I'm definitely uh, glad to be here. I appreciate uh, I appreciate the time today, Brad. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We had a, we had a great chat. I guess it feels like it's been forever ago now. Back yeah. in March, when we were we were talking about stuff, talking about lunchbox, talking about your videos, and like, man, we gotta we gotta do a podcast. So so here we are finally making it happen. And, and so I'm just thrilled to, to dive in. So uh, you're a master at creating community. And I want to dive into that because I believe that, that in the future, you know, as, as Amazon continues to grow and as opportunities on Shopify and other platforms continue to grow for, for people to create brands, those that, those that win, those that really become something special are going to be the brands that create community. And, and they create a true brand, not just a product, but a brand and a community. So we want to dive into that. But before we do, talk about what is what is Lunchbox? I'm like, it's lunchboxpacks.com. What is it? Where'd that idea come from? And then we'll, we'll dive into community. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so back in, let's see, 2018, uh, you know, we're, we're 10 years after the, the Great Recession. We're seeing kind of a golden age of experiences and events popping up. We're seeing... Uh, almost 40 million Americans a year going to festivals in the, in the States. Uh, we're seeing concert goers increase in volume steadily uh, by almost 8% year over year. And so we're almost generationally, what we're kind of seeing is that people, uh, especially Gen Z, millennials, we're putting the experience economy first. What's the experience economy, Brett? It's where all of a sudden, instead of aspiring to the Rolex or the Porsche or, the, uh, or the, an even fancier watch, uh, you, instead, you've got people who are investing in travel, their experiences, the memories that they're going to preserve. 
Um, this is partially fueled by the rise of social media. People want to show where they are as a form of yeah, exactly. um, But all of a sudden, people are, are looking to really invest in their experiences. And so back in 2018, we, uh, we realized that while people were investing heavily in their experiences, uh, nobody was really addressing the space of ensuring that experiences were great across the board. And so we, uh, as a team, went to a couple different events, festivals in 2018. And over the course of one day in Miami, actually, we, uh, we had our friends get pickpocketed in the crowd. We had people standing an hour-long water line because people use hydration packs at these events, and uh, they're, they're not very they're not, they're not quick refills. It, it just yep. takes a lot yep. of time, so it backs up the whole line. And finally, we, we kind of encountered different security rules at the, uh, at the security guard letting people into the venue where they'd confiscate bags for being too big, too small, you know, that one's purple, like, what are you going to do? So out of this experience, we, we looked around and we saw people who were investing you know, hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to get to an event, to a city for this peak moment, this idea of a peak moment. And we realized that they were drastically underserved. So Lunchbox came about um, in 2018 when we launched the Anti-Theft Hydration Pack, which is meant to be kind of a cure-all to the festival experience. Um, we patented a way to refill the bag that lets you get through water lines in, in less than 30 seconds compared to traditional camelbacks or hydration packs that takes three, four minutes. Um, we made it very easy to access for you, uh, but we inverted the entire design. So there is no external facing zippers, so nobody can reach in and steal a phone or a wallet, which can strand you at the end of the night. Um, and we basically built this whole thing to be customizable, so to reflect the identity of those people who were you know, looking and seeking for experiences. And so all, all the told, we were trying to kind of solve the issues and pain points of the, of the festival and events experience outside of the weather, bring it, bring it down umbrella. But the, um, so that kind of was, was the genesis of Lunchbox. And since then, uh, we've kind of brought together this community of events goers, of, all, of people all around the world who are similarly looking to invest in experiences. So just like Canon serves the photography market or maybe Osprey serves the adventure packs market, we were starting to realize that there was this identity forming around experience junkies, people who really wanted to be around people and invest in these, these very amazing peak moments. And so since then, we've kind of become a live events company where we go in and we create anti-theft fanny packs, anti-theft sling packs. Uh, we make it easy to stay hydrated at your events. And we make sure that you have a great event no matter what. And so coming out of that, you know, the, the brand really kind of attracted a certain type of person into our community, which is, I guess, our buzzword of today. Uh, but it, it attracted a certain type of person who invested in experiences, who was interested in, in meeting other people and socializing, and was also interested in, in making sure that the quality of the, those experiences was preserved. And so here we are later with a, um, with a team of, uh, of six full-time, and we're getting super excited to kind of have everything ramp back up as we kind of come out of the pandemic. But um, yeah, we've seen experiences get suppressed for the last year. And so uh, it's, it's actually taught us a lot about how to build community and how to build loyalty and how to really build relationships at scale. But I think the thing that you nailed the most is that community really separates the difference between product and brand. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And kudos to you guys for, for hanging on and, and weathering the storm of the pandemic because I think your timing was, was perfect initially. We're in that 2018, 2019 you know, events and, and this experience economy was booming. And so, but, you know, no one predicted the, the global pandemic. And so uh, the good news is, though, there's a lot of pent up demand. You know, we're talking about that before. A you lot of that there are people just itching 
for that next concert, that next big outdoor event, and, and they are coming. And so they will need, um, you know, the, the, the gear to make those events better. So uh, let's dive in a little bit then. How do you build community? And let's kind of talk about maybe some of the early stages, what you did with with Lunchbox in the early days. I'd love to also hear the creative stuff you did during the pandemic too, because I'm curious, but yeah. what did you do in the beginning to build community? Yeah, so I like to think about this in uh, in a couple of different phases. I think it was like the, the pre-launch phase in 2018, um, the first year in market phase in 2019, and then the the you know the no physical phase of 2020, which actually I think caught us the most. So in 2018, um, even when we were validating in the product, the way that we got people to respond and look at the actual product was by literally walking around campsites of popular festivals with the next version of the prototype that we had. So we had something like 11 versions of this thing. And so it was hand-to-hand -hand combat, right? It was, it was go to every single campsite, hey, put this on, what do you think? How does it feel? How does it fit? And it basically became like this giant ball of user interviews as we moved It's like guerrilla marketing from, from back in the old days. Yeah, guerrilla marketing, but even pre-product. And so what this did was two important things, Brett. The first was that it showed us exactly the features that we needed to have, that, we, that, would, that would drive interest and, and referral later on. And number two, every single person we met they were an event goer, they were an experienced junkie. All of a sudden they were following our Instagram and they were tagging along with us on Facebook and they were keeping up with us. So this actually kind of formed our initial push of the people who were interested pre-launch. So that was kind of phase one, right? Going around, getting feedback, getting people invested and co-creating this. And so even through the events later on, um, by asking people what they thought, and this is gonna be an important hallmark of community, they actually now became materially invested in the outcome, which is a really important element. Now, fast forward to 2019. So we've got product in the field. We distribute the first couple thousand units into, um, into the season pre-May uh, and, and debuted at a, a major festival called EEC Las Vegas, uh, which has hundreds of thousands of people attending from all over the world. And so we finally had all of our product in the field for the first time, and we needed to try to find a way to connect the dots of all these individual customers who had followed us on social, who had backed our original Kickstarter campaign, who had been with us since kind of day one. So what we did was that we kind of we said, okay, we need to come up with a way to identify lunchbox owners in the crowd. And the packs, they, they light up, they're distinct, you can tell. You can tell one person who's wearing it and the next 10 people who aren't. So that, that festival, over the course of three days, hopped up on a lot of Red Bull. We ran and found every single lunchbox in the ground and to every single person we walked up and we said, hey, every single time you see another lunchbox, you gotta go, hey, what's up lunchbox fam? And so after hitting, not, I, don't, I kid you not, over 200 people uh, at this event, tapping them on their shoulder like, hey, I love your pack, where'd you get it? Like, thanks so much for supporting us. By the way, the next time you see a pack like this, you gotta yell, hey, Lunchbox fam. And so- And talk about all the other people that are, that are hearing this standing next by and what is this little community of lunch, you know, crazy people yelling Lunchbox. Oh, and that is a cool pack. Uh, really brilliant marketing, yeah. 100%. And, and there's nothing quite like when, when you hit somebody in a group, like a tight group standing in a circle of eight people, you hit them like, hey, what's Lunchbox fam? You walk away, and then all seven people in that group turn to that person and they're like, oh, so what's Lunchbox? What just happened? And they're, look, they're looking for an explanation. So weirdly enough, that turned into an immediate like countrywide trend where almost every festival in the States and then the ensuing months had some form of that lunchbox call out. 
And so all of a sudden, what this did is this created like the ground floor of people identifying each other in our community and then building relationships on top of that. Uh, and then once that happened, you saw people sharing photos, tagging posts of the people they met, talking about the, the music they had experienced. But, you know, Alex from Los Angeles meets David from Colorado. They went to go see an amazing house set together. And so they, they started to facilitate this sharing. This is where we started to say, okay, you know, we want to hit as many events as possible in, uh, in 2019. It's the first year that this is really in the market. So what we started to do was we partnered with local influencers who were going to the event and started to host meetups of people who had lunchboxes, incentivizing them with accessories. And we've got these little panels on the front so you can change the design, so we, you got free skins. But we would do all these little games to, to kind of make it more fun. And so all of a sudden, people were now going to a festival identifying with other people in the crowd, going to a meetup that was hosted by us, getting the group photo, sharing the group photo on social media, bringing all their friends in as natural followers. And so, the, and so we start getting bigger and bigger and bigger, right? Identification, now we have group coagulation, and then we have the, the formation of digital identity, which is kind of where we are at the end of 2019. So here we are in November, um, the meetup that we're holding at, uh, at EDC Orlando is hundreds of people, everyone's got a lunchbox, everyone's excited. And at this point, you know, we're active on, 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 uh, on Instagram, we treat our purchasers email list like, a, like a, an events newsletter, where's the fan bin this month? And so kind of going into 2020, we had a lot of momentum, we had people who were willing to host meetups, a lot of people would be creating content, uh, a lot of people are just genuinely excited about being a part of it. So. Fast forward, pandemic hits. So now all these people who have had an amazing first year of experience who are telling their friends about you gotta bring Lunchbox to your next festival, you gotta kind of like, they're, they're gonna drop the link to the brand in their group chats. Um, all of a sudden they're in, they're, we're in March, 2020, and then connection goes haywire. The, the, the whole world shuts down. Um, you know, COVID starts slipping out of the, um, of the East in, in you know, December, January, and boom, the event season is done. All these people, these experienced junkies, needed somewhere to go. All of a sudden, that physical meetup and that physical connection needed to go somewhere. So over the course of 2020, we really defined our digital community. And so our, we have a Facebook group of, of, of hundreds, I think now thousands of, of VIP members where they will plan and meet up. And at this time, there were a lot of uh, online concerts. So people were what, having viewing parties together. Uh, people would get on Zoom happy hours. We were hosting. Uh, a regular happy hours just to check in on the community. We, uh, we hosted and actually threw a, uh, a live stream two-day event with almost 48 hours of straight music on Twitch, raising money for two amazing charities in Canada and New York. Amazing idea. It's amazing because people that love events, that love obviously doesn't go away when you can't travel. And so, so shifting that digitally totally makes sense. And even if they maybe didn't need to buy a lunchbox right then, I bet that still had an impact on the business even uh, even last year. Yeah, and so I think I think what what we saw is that people needed connection. We give them we gave them a safe place to be. Um, we made sure that they were okay. I think I think just showing that we cared was a pretty big element. And then, you know, while the while everyone was looking for connection, we were also still developing new products, bringing them in, getting them excited about what was still to come. And I think the, the most exciting part about all of this is that even in the middle of last year, people are planning meetups together a year from that point. And so this is start when we started to realize that we had a, such an engaged community that we wanted to, start to really be intentional about rewarding them. 
So this was where we started to start uh, to build out our infrastructure for loyalty programming. Uh, you get rewards for referrals, rewards for attending meetups, or rewards for engaging on social. And so all of a sudden, on the back of this digital community that we, we were starting to see come together, we were building incentive structures to really drive specifically organic referral, which is kind of one of our most important and, and tracked metrics. So then leading into 2021, finally to modern day, um, you've got a community with a big identity behind it. There's real action you can take. Um, we have a way to kind of pair people up at peak moments in their lives. Their people are really happy at events. This is, their, this is their vacation. This is the thing they've been looking forward to. And then they come back and they associate that with the brand, at which point then they're rewarded for sharing the brand with more people. And, the, and so the organic flywheel continues. So it was a really iterative process from 2018 to now. Community is one of those things where it's like, you can't build it overnight, right? You can't build it in just a month. Like it, it is truly, it, it's, a, it's a grassroots grassroots game. And the earlier you accept that, the earlier you can build a community that's going to last. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people just aren't willing to do is, you know, so some of the, the grassroots hustle going from tent to tent at the live event or whatever, and then talking about lunchbox and having people try it on and getting feedback. Some of those things that, and I've mentioned on the podcast before, but but sometimes to scale, you have to do things that don't scale, right? Yeah, you have to you have to get you have to to have that one on one with individual prospects and customers to get feedback uh, to help you improve the product, to build community, and things like that. But you mentioned another one of my favorite concept, uh, the flywheel, right? So if you've got the right components of this flywheel, you will build momentum over time and. And the community will, will really hit kind of a tipping point and, and kind of take off. And, and so let's, let's unpack that uh, just a little bit. So when you talk about this, this organic, organic referrals being a big KPI for you, a big focus for you, how, how are you driving that specifically? Can you, can you, can you talk about some, some tips or some tactics there? Yeah, so I think the, the organic referral element, at least for us, comes from a couple different things. So the, there are things that drive people talking about your brand and then the ways that you capture that value in a business sense. So the ways that you can drive organic referral are is a lot of actually content creation, right? What questions does your customer have? What problems are they, are they running into? How can you both validate and answer that? How can you be a resource for them? What are the things, what are the unexpected or unintended questions that they have that you can answer where they relate that back to you? So that gets them talking about you, right? They've had a great meetup. They've had a great experience. They've maybe watched a video on how to prepare. You, you, you've been a material part of their experience getting better. And then on the back end of that, it's coming up with, uh, with mechanisms that make it really easy to share, right? One-click sharing or pre-populating text messages or WhatsApp messages or Twitter messages, uh, making it really easy to refer with one click, making it really easy to share a link with one click, making it really easy to forward an email and say, hey, you guys should get this. So it's all the mechanisms on the back end that actually help you to convert on all the value-driven content. So when we kind of think about our email marketing and our social as a channel, we think about how much value can we drive and then how can we put little asks kind of embedded within that where you're opening the email because of value. You know you're going you're gonna to learn something, you know you're going to see something fun. But then kind of through that, it's like, you know, share Lunchbox with a friend. Would you like to, would you like to expand this? Um, and would you, like to, would you like to simply welcome somebody new to the fam and get rewarded for it. So again, having mechanisms on both sides to drive and capture is kind of, um, is kind of the, the, main, the main tip and trick so, there. It's so cool. And you know, it, it's, it's critical, obviously, that you, you have a, a brand that's fun and, and that people want to share and you've kind of built this personality that people 
connect with and, and stuff. But then, yeah, you got you to make it easy, right? And then, and then can you talk a little more about incentive, incentives? Like how are you incentivizing the, the sharing? Yeah, so um, we basically built kind of an interesting loyalty program where we've got different tiers and at different tiers, you unlock different levels of engagement. So one of the things that we're constantly focused on is that you know all, all members of, of our Lunchbox fam, as we call it, um, they're all the same, but the levels of engagement are different. So that becomes a differentiator. Somebody who has joined in the first month um, and maybe hasn't hit their first meetup yet is pretty different in terms of how they engage and interact than somebody who has been to 15 meetups and has hosted a meetup and has submitted 10 pieces of UGC, and, and so it's different. So our, we, we basically paired our loyalty rewards with different tiers that distinguish those people while still making sure that everyone is still valued within the community. At our bronze tier, you know, you get birthday gifts, you get some, uh, you get some early, early deals, but that's kind of it. And moving up to our, our goal, or we did silver, kind of like it, uh, it builds on that a little bit, early access to products. Um, our gold tier is where it gets kind of interesting. You actually are invited to group camps with the team at major camping festivals around the, uh, around the world. Um, you get Zoom happy hours with the team where we talk about new products. And then my personal favorite, um, if you have enough referral points where, again, you're, you get something like 200 points, which is equivalent to uh, a minor marketing cost for us, but 200 points for referring a lunchbox, if you accumulate enough of those, you can actually spend that on concert tickets. So now we've connected mm -hmm. you being part of Lunchbox to you getting to that next event. So if you're an experienced junkie, the, so this, the flywheel continues to spin. Yeah, and then finally, I, I love that. Yeah, and then finally, and then, then our platinum tier, you kind of have the, you know, you got all the above. Uh, now you can spend your points on actual festival tickets and you get to join kind of our product testing lab where we send you kind of early access to beta products to give feedback. So at every step, you know, you are getting free product, you're getting value, you're getting access to content, you're getting access to the team, you're literally camping with us. Um, we'll see what happens in three years when the group camps grow to thousands of people, but that's a problem for 2023. <laughs> yeah, um, tackle that when you, when you, you'll, yeah, cross that bridge when you come to it. Yeah, but I think a lot of loyalty programs, so it's like, okay, you know, refer for a discount. And I think we wanted to add a, a, a much deeper layer to that. It's like, how do we reward the community members who are the most engaged? And for us, it's yeah. like, how do we get them to more of those experiences that they're really happy about? Yeah, and I think that's the key, right? As you're coming up with incentives and rewards, how does your market want to be incentivized or rewarded? And and for your market, it's it's events, right? It's it's experiences, it's community, and so you're you're pairing the the preferred activity, the desired activity you want the customer to take with some rewards that they're going to absolutely love. So, mm -hmm. uh, any tips on how to structure that? Because I know. You know, as you get into, into loyalty rewards and stuff, if it's too complex, you know, how are you accumulating points and things like that, then it becomes almost demotivating or just too confusing for people to want to think about too much work. Mm -hmm. um, and then you also need to kind of automate it. So, so any tips on how to make it simple and any, any tools you use, any, any recommendations there? So I think um, lo you know loyalty programs are not created equal. Uh, like any channel, it needs to be evaluated as a channel that works for your business. Um, yeah. If you're selling... <laughs> Like a, a very niche car part that you're, somebody's only really going to need to buy one time in their entire lives. Like you probably yeah. don't need a loyalty program. You don't. You don't, you don't want to create a meetup with those people. They, they probably don't want to exactly. Hang out like hey guys, like does anybody else have a crankshaft from their 2017 <laughs> Chevy Tahoe? Like brake pad group over here. Okay, exactly. Um, but so I think step one is evaluating whether it makes sense as a channel. Right? Are you either seeing repeat purchases or are you seeing kind of recurring engagement? With the brand that justifies it, and then on the back end, 
working, I mean, right now there's so many different um, providers out there that provide great loyalty programs. I'm a big fan of smile.io for kind of a, a affordable. Yeah, like, I know the, I know those guys at smile.io. Yeah, it's a, it's a great product. Yeah, they're, it's, um, they're, they're really becoming the loyalty layer of the internet. Um, I think you've got a couple, and you know, in the, in the expensive options like Yapo, where they're trying to make it kind of simple as well. But what you fundamentally see is that you see, you know, these apps that enable shareability. I don't think you need to go build this up from ground zero. And then in terms of structuring, it's really making sure that you understand, you know, what are the things you can give away, and and what are you getting back for what you give. So if you're giving away a 20% discount on something, like is that because you expect that the discount plus the underlying profit on that next order is still going to be profitable for you? Uh, is that customer going to be refer- being a recurring customer or is it one office? I think it's understanding the math behind it. And then in terms of keeping it automated, I kind of go the other way. It's like, this is my channel, right? I, I invest yeah. in loyalty more than anything else, right? We, we and, you know, we do annual budgets. We've got a big block of, of funds that just goes right into loyalty. It's, it's not necessarily an automated thing. So I think while some brands can look at it as an automated endeavor, the fact that we do get so many meaningful one-on-one touches is is almost like hand-to-hand combat at scale, provided you have a team behind it. So I think it it just depends on the business. Is it viable? Does it make sense? And um, do people want to also be together and engage together? Are th- kind of some of the three key questions. But it's hard to generalize when it comes to loyalty because it's so it's, it is a case by case basis. Yeah, I love that. I want to make sure we leave time to talk video content and long form video content and, and and your company Carousel. But just any any last tips on building community? Either either tips on how to do it or, or tools to use. I'm assuming you're you're probably relying heavily on Facebook groups to to kind of facilitate some of what you're doing here with community. Yeah, so I mean, Facebook group for us is just because everybody who buys one of our packs has a Facebook account. Um, yeah. And one one of the things that I think it's important to realize is, especially if you, there's two elements, right? There's the first of does your company or brand have a uniting topic? You know, so maybe for a way that's travel, that's their uniting topic. Um, it, is it? Um, you know, magnetic blanket forts that teach your kids how to how to build things. And like, do, do you, can you build a community of moms around that? Is that the uniting topic? For us, it's music and events. So first off, do you have the presence of a uniting topic that gets people excited and engaged? If not, I'm not sure that this is for you. If you do, okay, lean in. The second part of it is deciding where it's going to live. And so, you know, if you are a community that improves people's business lives and they actually see a, a growth in their income, then they're more willing to join a Slack community or a discourse community because of what you're offering. If you are offering something that's lower touch where, you know, maybe I'll join, I'll use an existing Facebook profile to join and talk about music, but I'm not going to create a whole forum profile for it. I think it's understanding like how far do you think that ask can go and where can you create a critical mass of people where it creates an echo chamber of, of kind of people talking about your brand. So I think, I think de- determining those two things is important. And then finally, building on that, what are the hooks that you that you have pulling into your community, right? How do your post-purchase flows pull somebody in? How do your in-person events you know, recruit more people? Um, what are the ways that you are socializing that this community exists and it's worth being a part of? Because the more people that you bring in, the greater the echo chamber grows and the more likelihood that you're going to be able to discover people who are real uh, super contributors to your community. So with those three pieces in mind, you knock all those down and have a solution, then hey, you may have a community that's going to keep growing. Yeah, it's fantastic. I love it. I know we could talk a lot more about community, but I want to make sure we, we dive into our next topic for at least a few minutes. So let's talk about video content. And and obviously, you know, anybody's been listening to the show for a while, you know, I love video, big YouTube guy. 
we, we do this all the time. Uh, but talk to me a little bit about, you know, why did you start Carousel? And what, what do you guys do? And then we're going to get into some, some of your tips for video creation. Yeah, so during the pandemic, we, we started to run into our own problems at Lunchbox, where we historically have always had our team meet up and, uh, and create a month's worth of content. Then the next month we meet up, get a, we create a month's worth of content. And then the pandemic completely halted that. And for other e-commerce owners, even though their businesses were growing, they couldn't get to the local photographer, local studio, local videographer. It was impossible. But all of a sudden, we were seeing people you know, do work from home through Zoom and other digital tools. So we asked the question of, could creative production go remote too? So Create with Carousel is a bunch of e-commerce experts that have gotten together both on the marketing and production side to figure out Number one, what is the content that is most likely to convert for your brand? And number two, how do you produce world-class shoots without having to leave your computer, especially in the video space? So that was kind of the underlying foundation of how we wanted to establish Carousel and, and how we wanted to, to grow that. And where we quickly found ourselves pulled was actually towards more difficult video, where it was highly narrative, um, and kind of like anchor ads that brands could use to really explain a product, but really do it in like a long form and engaging way. The, the brand that's holding you know, 90 seconds of your attention on a three-minute three video, that is a lot more of a, a purchase intent behind it than somebody who sure. watched three seconds of a 10-second video. So yeah. the person who's the better storyteller around an already great product is creating this opportunity for conversion. So we very quickly gravitated towards these kind of more complex narrative anchor ads that were fun and goofy and interesting, and but most of all had layers of call to actions through them. So we had not just one shot to convert customers, but three or four shots to convert a customer. And then you'd click on it, hit on the landing page where all the assets on the landing page corresponded to the ad. So it was just a very tight campaign through and through followed by, of course, retargeting assets that nailed specific objections. So we started to think about the full funnel of, uh, of marketing for e-commerce brands rather than individual kind of like, here is your ad, good luck. And so I think combining the, the ease of production without having the stress of having to do all the things that make a production great, as well as thinking kind of full funnel strategy, emphasizing long form content, especially in a world of iOS 14, 14.5, which Brett can tell you about, um, we realized that there was kind of an opportunity for us to just tell product stories, but better. Yeah, I, I love that you guys did this. And, you know, like I mentioned, I'm a big YouTube guy, big video guy. Uh, supporter of that for sure. And and what we're seeing on YouTube is that long form content does work. That the videos that are scaling from, you know, you know, 10,000 to 20,000 a day in spend are typically 90 seconds or longer. And I'm even hearing from some of our, our clients who sell on Facebook that even though, you know, Facebook is kind of pushing for shorter form videos, we have one one big client, great friend of mine, where they're scaling on on Facebook now with a three minute video. So yeah. I, I think it goes back to what you said, you know, storytelling, and and are you keeping someone engaged, and are do you have multiple layers of CTAs, and and you know we, we've got a whole formula we talk about. I want to dig in and, and kind of get your formula or philosophy uh, as well. But but yeah, and you mentioned an anchor video. I, you know that that's kind of like we would call it a manifesto, where it's like this, it's it's this video that really tells the story and separates the product from all the other yeah. competitors. And that, that's what works great at the top of the funnel. And then you have other videos that you can run at other stages of the journey and whatnot. Um, so how do you guys, how do you guys approach creating an, an anchor video? And, and I think this will be useful because there's probably some tips in there that, that people can grab hold of. Yeah. So I think, um, I think there's obviously a couple of components here. Um, the first is that we assume we're wrong. 
And what I mean by that is it's not our opinion as a marketer if a video is great. It's not your opinion as a founder if the video is great. It is ultimately the market that determines whether something's great. 100%. So what we, what we do is we build everything with modularity in mind. So when we write our introductions, uh, we don't write one introduction, we write four introductions, and you're going to run the, the one that's going to perform the best based on who's watching the first three seconds. When we write our main body, like the, the main meat of it, we write it so all the blocks are interchangeable so that we can deliver editing variations where you know, maybe in the, if you're selling um, like great umbrellas, for example. Maybe block one is that you used a sturdy umbrella. Block two is that you've got Bluetooth tracking. And block three is that you know, it's reflective at night. You can interchange those blocks based on what different consumers are going to respond to and make the content itself more modular. And then finally, we wrap up with conclusions and CTAs that kind of hit at the end of each block. So, hey, like if you care about reflective, you know, after this block, we're going to put a CTA that says, oh, so if you don't want to get it run over tomorrow, get this umbrella at you know website here. Or if it's, uh, hey, if you don't want to get blown away in the wind and keep throwing away crappy corner store umbrellas, get this. And so you, you attach CTAs to specific benefit statements rather than kind of like at the end of a video with like most people aren't getting there anyway. And so I think on top of that, you know, after we've come up with a bunch of different introductions to get into the video, a bunch of ways to recut the middle of the video so you have the most options, we also think about, you know, what happens after the video. And what, what we mean by that is like, why is somebody not going to buy this product? So, for example, one of our recent clients had a standing desk, great standing desk, you know, goes up and down, automated, it's got lights, got speakers, this whole thing's souped up. Um, but why, what are some of the reasons that somebody may not buy that? So in the same shoot that we're doing the anchor, we'll shoot these mini assets where it says, okay, like worried about the cost? Well, here are all the reasons that you know the cost is worth it. Or worried about the setup? Like here's how you set it up really simply. Or like worried about how it's delivered? Like here's how it's delivered. And so we think about not just the ad, but the response to the ad yes. that basically yes. builds on top of it, making sure that you're hitting each individual objection. So I think like the, the, big, the big first part of it is think holistically and assume you're wrong and give yourself enough variability to, to then edit and adjust. And then the second part of it is don't just think the ad itself, think about the response to the ads. If you've got somebody on the hook, how are they gonna go from in the, in, on the hook to a fish in the barrel? So I think those two things are pretty big, uh, pretty big parts of our strategy when we're thinking about how to properly construct this type of narrative. I love it. And then I've talked to a few other video uh, production companies, or at least one other that, that thinks that way where we're saying, hey, they're, they're, we're not just going to take a chance on one hook, right? There may be one hook, one opening that you as the founder like and that we as the video people like or the right. media buyers like, whatever. We're not just going to base the whole thing on that because what if it doesn't work? What if we're wrong? A lot yeah. of times we are, right? Yeah. Uh, in general, we're going we're gonna to pick, we're going to find something that works. Yeah. But having this modularity or the, these, these um, different blocks that you can kind of stack and, and change I think it's critical. And, and the beautiful part about what we do here with digital marketing and anything that's, that's Facebook or YouTube or whatever is we can test it, right? We, we, can, we can test these, these different um, mashups of a video and we may find that, hey, the, this opening A with, you know, problem solution statement, C, you know, that combo really works for this audience, but another combo works for another audience. Or, the, or this combo works for a top of funnel, but another combo works for lower in the funnel. And so I, I love that you guys... Uh, approach it that way. That's that's just awesome. Um, cool. And then and then what are you what are you thinking about as you look at a product 
And it's cool that you mentioned the umbrella. Was that a real product, by the way, or did you just kind of make that up on the, on the spot? No, no, that, that's a real product. It's my okay. my friends over at Weatherman Umbrella, which is uh, an unbelievable D2C company based in uh, in Brooklyn. Nice, nice, very cool. Um, so so what else are you looking for like to, to, to bring out the best story about a product? And any tips or ideas you have on how do you uncover like the, the golden nuggets and the, the story behind a product? So I think there's three layers to any product use. Um, and I think a lot of people get trapped in the first layer. So obviously when you're looking at a product, you've got the product features, right? The, the literal descriptions of what this thing does. Um, and then you can bring those features to life in the next layer, which is your benefit layer, right? So, you know, back to the umbrella thing. Well, if the feature is, it can withstand 55 mile an hour winds, right? And then the benefit is that, you know, if it's an awful rainstorm, your umbrella isn't going to invert. So the consumers generally relates to benefit statements far more than uh, yeah. a feature statement. But the next layer, and I think that you can use, you can, you can take it even further. And again, we, we've talked all day about the experience economy, but the, the next is the experience layer. So what is it like for someone to experience that benefit in the real world? And so that's what we really like to focus on our narratives, whereas like we like to build scenes that don't just say, hey, like your umbrella is going to blow away in the wind. Like we're going to show you that scene of, of a of a 40-year-old woman who just finished a 12-hour day at work and her umbrella is flying away. And then in the next shot, we're going to show you the comparison. It's not about highlighting the feature necessarily. It's about showing what is the end user experience of that benefit. And so I think that really bringing those benefits to life through a variety of different experiences helps you to hit a wider target market and also just really bring the story to life. Show, don't tell. And the experience layer is the best way that we found to really bring that. Now, if somebody's comparing a product, if they're looking at two different mattresses, Casper versus Purple, you're going to be looking at the features, you're going to be looking at the price point. But if you're introducing a product, you want to make the case of like, how is this going to make your life better? Why should you care? And you do that at the experience layer. Yeah, it's, it's so good. And yeah, it's one of those things where you want the prospect to see themselves you know, envision themselves using and benefiting from the product. You, you want them to kind of feel that experience, like, hey, that that could be me. Mm-hmm. And and so I really like how you, how you kind of broke that down. And you're right, if someone's comparison shopping, then feature benefit, that's going to probably win the day. But if someone's just being introduced to it, uh, and, and I think even if they are comparison shopping, they still need to experience it, feel it, and, and picture, okay, this is what it's going to be like when I own this umbrella or this mattress or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, and that's also that's why awesome. you see that's why you see unboxings do so well because people are like, oh, yeah. I know what it's like to open a package. I know what it's like to put that in for the first time. Um, that's why that's why testimonials do so well because they see themselves in the person. It just, it just really, right. I think the, the term is almost visual empathy, right? How do you get that person to, to stand in somebody else's shoes through video storytelling? I mean, that's the goal, right? Yep, and it's so interesting. I think a lot of times, and then this used to be, the problem I guess still is today with some big ad agencies is they think, oh, unboxing, that's a tired idea, right? We don't want to do that idea. It's, it's, it's played out. Or testimonials. Everybody's done testimonials. That's old school. No, we're going to do something super new and creative. But that stuff just works, right? Good testimonials properly executed from real people that are saying compelling things. They work. Unboxing videos at a certain stage of the buying journey, they work. People want to see it. They're interested. That's why there are, if you search for like the latest iPhone unboxing videos, some of those have like 12 million views. Like people want to see unboxings. And so um, we can also, I think there's there's this 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 pull or this 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 drive 
to make something super creative when that's not really the point, right? It's yeah. about telling a good story and in some cases following formulas and, and setting yourself up for testing like you, like you mentioned. And yeah. so uh, we're, we're just about out of time. I want to kind of wrap up. If someone's listening and thinking, all right, I need to talk to Tom or the crew at, uh, at Carousel, kind of how do you guys work and, and where can they find out more about you? Yeah, so um, you can reach us on uh, www.createwithcarousel.com. Uh, we've got a bunch of different services ranging from mail-in photo shoots to studio sizzles to my personal favorite, which is Anchor Ads, just because they're the most fun. Um, and we can uh, we can get in touch at the bottom of that website. Um, and if you're looking to uh, stay in touch on social, um, I am TZWOR on Twitter or RealTomWar at uh, on Instagram. So I, I'll, I'm one of those guys where I love I love D2C, I love community, and I love talking about this. So I was willing to take the take the conversation a little further. Awesome, man. And I will link to all of that in the show notes. And then and then also uh, mention Lunchbox as well, because I think uh, two reasons people want to visit that. One, maybe you're listening and you're dying to go to the next music festival. <laughs> and so you want to get a Lunchbox. Or two, you're another e-commerce store owner and you want to watch someone that builds a great community and does great marketing. So how can people find out more about Lunchbox? Yeah, so we're um, at Lunchbox Packs on all channels, um, you name it. And then uh, our website is lunchboxpacks.com. And um, we have our, our, our Facebook groups are, are private to members only, which again, part of the, part of the whole thing. But um, we often you know, cover our community on our YouTube channel. Uh, and again, our website kind of features everyone that uh, you'd be interested in checking out. So lunchboxpacks.com. Awesome. Tom, this has been fantastic, man. Been a ton of fun. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for coming on. Awesome. Thanks so much, Brett. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed this as much as I did. And hey, I would love to hear from you. Let's connect on the, the socials. Let me know what you think about the show. Would love any feedback, any guest ideas, topic ideas, fire them my way. And with that, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.